welcome to another episode of Three Wise DMs, the podcast where three dungeon masters, who have been doing this for <laughs> way too long, talk about all the things we do to try to make our games as good as they can be. Hi, I'm Tony. I'm Chris. Innocent people suffer the loss. You broken home so close to the cross. Sometimes you just don't know how low, how low you can go. Yes, by request, DM Dave, the rock and roll DM, I do take some requests at times. And that was requested by DM Chris for quite a while now. He's been dropping hints. Uh, so Chris, <laughs> what, what, Chris, what was that? That was a low by a testament right there. Yes. Which it was, was after Skolnick left. It was yes. the second iteration of Testament, but it was a, a awesome tune. And it, it was uh, it was a great uh, performance of it there. I, uh, Thank you. I had to listen to it today. And I had to, I saw I read up a little bit and I saw that it was after Skolnick and their drummer, uh, Louis Clemente, left. Right. Louis OK. Yeah, yeah. 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 So anyway. Yeah. All right. So that's so low. So sometimes you just don't know how low how low you can go which is incredibly auspicious for our episode today because we're going to talk about something that we've been playing with. How low can you go with magic in your campaign worlds before you're just playing, I don't know, like Monopoly? Real life. <laughs> or, 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 yeah, before you're playing Second Life or The Sims, right? Enjoy your five hit points, sucker. Yeah. So, I mean, let's throw it out there. What do we think? What's the uh, what? How low can you go? How low have you gone too? Let's uh, let's throw that out there. Well, let me just actually open with a question. What is the advantage of running a really low magic world? Like, how does this benefit either the DM or the player? I think that's a good question. I mean, I think like it's kind of how you define low magic a little bit, right? Like, is it a lack of magic items or something like that? We would often joke in the Stroud campaign, right? Like, I got the sun yep. sword, and then it was like six sessions before somebody got something else, and so we would call that good low times. magic, right? But or is it like a lack of magic in the world in general? Like we played with a little bit in Dragonlance, like where it, you start off and there's some stuff around spellcasting and the spellcasters need to be part of the high towers or something like that. So there's a bit of a restriction, but it's a uh, thing. But I guess it's kind of how you define it there. Like, I think you can gain something because it can give you some cool story features and stuff like that. But. I think also, like me and you, Tony, talk about a lot, it's the fun factor. Like, how do I get someone to play this campaign? If I'm literally starting off and saying this is going to be something low magic, right? I guess that it has some bad connotations to it. Yeah, how do I hook that, Dave? Well, that's so I think this is and Chris, you started to kind of get onto the point of it is that a lot of this kind of stuff because you. You actually will see a lot of this on the social feeds and people talking about this, talking about, oh, I'm going to run a real low magic campaign. I'm going to real run a high magic campaign. And we all pretend like we know what everyone else is talking about. And I don't think we do because we haven't really defined what that means. Just like we talked about a couple a couple episodes ago, we brought up the idea of high fantasy, you know, and high fantasy doesn't mean anything more then it's a different world than this one and magic does exist in some fashion but that doesn't mean it's accessible that doesn't mean you can use it as a player character in your rpg or anything like that right 
And that's kind of where we started this conversation uh, outside of the the episode, which kind of got us to this episode, which is, Chris, you're going to be running the Lord of the Rings campaign. And we're, we're going to delve into that more because I think that's actually where we're, people are starting to talk about more of the low magic. But then are you talking about spellcasters being low magic? In essence, saying, OK, if you're a spellcaster in my campaign, you can only go to X level or you can only access this type of spell. Uh, which I have actually started to play with in Dragonland, so we can talk about that too. And then Tony, yes, magic items. Is it just the the what I was talking about last episode, which was I don't like magic items just to be everywhere in the world, especially certain campaign worlds, because it it ruins the the campaign world you're in. It makes it so it's not you know it's cool Special. if you're a hawk, right? And you can literally go to a bazaar and buy anything. But if it's Dragonlance, if it's the world of Kryn, and it's after the Cataclysm, magic should feel spectacular if you if you all of a sudden wield it, you know? And I get that. That really can develop some really fantastic plot points. I mean, do you really want to be in a situation where you could walk into any given city and you have clerics that can raise the dead? Yeah. I mean, I, mean, I, I guess it's going to It certainly cheapens it a little bit, for sure, right? Chris, but, that's a good point. I? Because, Tony, yeah, because in Dragonlance, Rasguedo, your bard, almost died like two or the second or third session in the Battle of High Hill. I it think you, were, you died and I let you use your DM inspiration to roll your last death save and you and you saved it, uh, which I think was completely an OK use of DM inspiration. I, have I, have I do as well. I, do I as have well. no problem with that whatsoever. But you, let's say. You still bonked it. And I was like, shit, okay, well, I got to deal with this. He's written this awesome character backstory. I have all these ideas about it. And now we're back to the drawing board. Because there was no cleric that you guys were going to go to in town. Clerics don't exist. The only cleric that existed, unbeknownst to you at that point, was Eva, uh, Scott's character, uh, who you guys all kind of thought was a fighter at first, but then the stuff was happening. And in essence, she's playing the gold moon persona, which is the first true cleric of one of the gods that's come back. So, yeah, you were you were shit out of luck if that happened, you know? No, absolutely. But, I mean, it also, I think it's is I mean, is what we're the perception of a low magic campaign, like especially in regards to like D&D or whatever, or the Lord of the Rings game. We'll talk about it a little bit because they touch on it a little bit in some of the idea is that. Aren't the class features and racial abilities just as magical, so to speak, as spells, right? The things that you can do, right? Like, uh, you know, halflings are easily, they can hide themselves, right? Like that people can see in the dark. Like, you know, there's a lot of class features. It's pretty soon you're a fighter. You can attack four times and stuff like that. You can regain hit points. You can do all these things. It Would that, if you could call it a spell, right? You know, it could be, you do lose that you know, that part of a spellcaster kind of going there. But I think that those features have some level of magic to them. Sure. What do you guys think? Like, would that, that, is that a valid uh, question? Well, Chris, in your campaign, if I understand it correctly, what you're developing is there is going to be pretty much no spellcasters. I mean, don't worry about the magic item shop because you're not (laughs) getting that. I mean, no wizard. Yes, yes. Yes. I mean, we get to it. The, the Lord of the Rings campaign, and it's funny. I actually went and got the quote from the guy. He did an article. Um, he did an interview, and he spoke about it. Uh, Francesco Nepotello, the guy who designed the One Ring. Oh yeah. That they converted into it. He made the One Ring. 
Yeah, he was the guy who designed the. Well, yes, he was <laughs> he about to. It. He learned the art of ring making. I feel like he might be Sauron in disguise. But he might. He but really he, and he said, right, he says uh, players may be disappointed at first that they can't play a wizard, but if you played a wizard, it wouldn't feel like Lord of the Rings. Yes. And I thought that had a certain amount of flavor to it because there isn't a wizard in the classes that they make available. There's new. There's like five new classes there. They have things that are very similar to it. They have the closest they come to is like the scholar, which is like a bard slash artificer, because they have something called crafts where you can add blessings and different things to uh, items and armor and stuff like that. So you start to get the feeling of that. And on the other side, they lean heavily on magic items. So it's a low magic world in that if, if I'm defining this one as low magic, it's because it's there are no wizards because wizards in Lord of the Rings are you know, there's something else. They're not like, you know, they're not the people that you meet every day. Magic is sort of weird. It's in the world, but it's still sort of viewed sort of as, uh, as something else. No, that's the point. And this is a lot of this is somewhat hypothetical because a lot of this has built off of Chris building out the Lord of the Rings campaign that we'll be undertaking uh, when Tony and my campaign currently for our game groups uh, wrap up. And Chris, that's absolutely right. Uh, what he said wh- that w- it would not be Lord of the Rings because just think about any of the moves, anything that happens in the Lord of the Rings. Take a third level wizard. Take a third level wizard. They would annihilate everything that came. What is what is Shelob to that? To a to a third level wizard, nothing. You know, much that's less clerics. Much less like warlocks, sorcerers, right? Now let's get them to fifth, the sixth, seventh level. Forget about it. Forget about it. That's not the Lord of the Rings anymore. Because now you're literally more powerful than Gandalf. And we've gone over that before. Yes, he's the he's ultra powerful, but he he's 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 the DM has said you can't use any of those spell slots though. In essence, right? You can use produce flame and light, which is a cantrip. They're both cantrips. Okay, I can produce flame and I can do light and I can do that with a with a feat. I can get a feat as a thief and I could do that or whatever. Absolutely. Just to remind you, he's not a doddering old man. He can do some legitimate magic. He's got to throw that little spice in the pot periodically. Yeah, absolutely. But that's that's you know, I think it's like the idea is that but taking it from a. If we if you look at it and you say from Lord of the Rings, it's also uh, from a story thing to feel like you're in it to feel like one of the members of the fellowship. They all felt, besides Gandalf, obviously, because he's, you know, from the gods there, but the rest of them, to feel what a journey and adventure feels like. Like, they're trying to bring that to it. If it, if it like like with Dragonlance, I think if it, it can be, you can gain something from it if it lets you build your world in the way that's still fun, right? Like, it used, there shouldn't be none, right? Or anything like that. Like, I, I think a no magic world would be really not fun, right? Like, that's just like, I'm going to my, I'm going to work every day. Well, but. at that point, it's not it's not a fantasy world, really, at that point, you know? Yeah. But, uh, Chris, I mean, I even, I've been doing that even in uh, the Dragonlance campaign. So, as I've said before, I've, I made some limitations on races. I made some limitations on, uh, I didn't make any limitations on classes. Um, I would fit anything in, but there were certain things that I kind of brought up to give the idea of Kryn. Like Chris, with your bard, I thought that was great. And we're kind of crafting out this whole idea of this, this college of song, this bardic school that kind of exists as an offshoot 
or an uh, auxiliary of the Towers of High Sorcery. So you're kind of involved with them, but not really, you know, and your magic derives from different things. But I also said, you don't have access to healing spells. And you went, okay. You know, now, does that kind of feel like, oh, man, like, sure, at times. But then you go, okay, but I can play this other stuff up, you know, because it plays into what the world is. And this world is one that the gods have supposedly left and divine magic is no more. So you can't just be like, well, I'm a bard, so I just get, you know, healing word, you know. And you have played with that, you know, very much so. In a traditional low magic world, I think we're talking about very limited access to magic items. So that's pretty safe to say. And, you know, we can kick around like what that looks like in Chris's game or Dave's game or my game. And I understand the argument. You don't want your players dripping with stuff. Yeah. It, it, it shortens the life of your campaign. It nukes your power curve. It's very difficult to balance within the party. I get all those things. Even if I, as a DM, I greatly enjoy doing that, you shouldn't do it. Yeah, as you explode it, you go, I know where this is going, but it feels so good, right? It feels so organic. I, well, I mean, it's like I'm, I'm playing Diablo 4 now, and it's like the problem with that game is that there's so much loot and treasure. Kind of tie it into the last episode, but there's so much treasure and magic items and legendary items and stuff. And I keep on finding new legendary items and all these other things that it takes the value of what is that item that you got. Or you're like, oh, this is a really cool sword. And then freaking two freaking mass murders later, I'm like, oh, this is an even cooler sword, right? And I think, you know, I just like, I'm going to sell this one in town, right? Like, and it's like some super legendary sword, right? And I'm just like, I don't want Excalibur anymore because I found this other super awesome sword. So I'm just going to sell Excalibur for some cash. And maybe some other adventurer can uh, buy it. Two mass murders later. That's like, that's that's D&D, right? Like, that's every, two mass murders later, dot, dot, dot. Tell me what happened in your game. So, like, that's similar. And I'm going to tie it back to what we, uh, when we were playing the Call of Cthulhu campaign, right? Because Call of Cthulhu, you would actually, it's not high fantasy, right? Because it's happening in the world. Boston. Uh, but magic has infiltrated, and that's kind of the definition of low fantasy, right, is that it's your world, but things are starting to kick in from the outside. Magic is coming in from somewhere else. It's not innate to the world as it is, um, which I think is very much what Lovecraft stuff was. Um, I think the argument can be made that uh, Jim Butcher's Dresden Files is similar because it's kind of like magic is coming in from the outside. Anyway, but, but Call of Cthulhu is – low magic but magic is there and it's horrifying right i mean the magic system in call of cthulhu which we only literally to play with (laughs) will just drive you insane until you die like there is no upside to it other than the temptation of it and blah 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 right like we've talked about but there is no upside but magic is still there and it can be super powerful but that would be ultimately low magic it's actually like a worse version of the black mana cards from the like early Magic the Gathering, where it's like you can inflict four damage to this creature on the table. Now break your own finger like that kind of <laughs> stuff. But it's worse. 
You can inflict four damage by taking eight damage. Wait, 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 what? Give yourself one permanent insanity and there's no way to cure it. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, and I think the magic system in Cthulhu was like, if you want to talk about low magic, like not only was it difficult to get, right? And you need all the components and the scrolls and the readings. We need the insanity on each step of the way there, right? But then at the end, like, I remember us casting that spell, and there was, like, seven people involved, and a professor, and there's other things, and a thousand rolls, and all kinds of sanity checks, and everything like that. Like, it wasn't just, like, casting Fireball, right? No. Where exactly. I'm like, oh, I'm going to cast Fireball, or I'm going to cast this. It was like, all right, I got to, like, it was like, like scheduling a D&D game. Like, you got to get everybody there. We got to get there on time. I got to have a good recap, you know. Except I was already possessed by a demon. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the, uh, yeah, that did happen there too. Yeah, and I think that I think one of the answers to the question right off the bat, or one of the the secondary questions with how low can you go with magic in your world, and it's something we say all the time is what system are you playing? Because different systems are going to let you play with magic way differently. You know, you can go super low magic in Marvel superheroes, the face rip campaign. Because you just don't have Doctor Strange or anyone plays man. That means, yeah, you still fly and you have super strength and eye beams, but it's low magic. Okay, well, that plays in a certain way. You can say it's low magic like Cthulhu, right, where it's literally low magic and it costs everything. I need 12 pounds of salt and I need a knife from a fucking Egyptian tomb and whatever, right? Yeah. And then and then all and like and it all it does is put something back where it came from. And I'm like, fuck, like, that's good. It, I stopped the world from ending. But you uh, oh, spoke about a caddy. With a but when, when people are talking about low magic in terms of anything under the D&D umbrella. OK, so any fantasy role playing game where you are fighting monsters, where you're gathering treasure, where you're going on adventures and quests. I think what people are getting at is low magic being. How much can I start to you can create a level of we talk about magic items being uh, rare, fine, or, you, you know, it costs a lot to get them. But then it's how much can you curtail the attributes that certain classes get before people go, wait, 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 wait. Like, so if I choose to be a spellcaster, I'm just screwed and I'm just a, a geriatric old man with no real upside here. Oh, like a first edition that's wizard. What people are really are really wondering is like how far can you curtail the abilities that are given by the system itself, right? So you gotta consider if magic is very difficult to obtain it, it's rare. And that that's okay, on the face of that, that sounds really good. But if they can't use their treasure to obtain that in any form, then what do they mean? You know, this comes back to you know, you need to have something really substantial in place as a reward system because you're – I mean, like what are we doing with buying with my gold? I'm going to go buy a manor home, some hunting hounds, some slippers. I mean what is driving you to adventure? You're risking your life. Now, like some characters like in our Dragonlance game, OK, the world's ending. We're in it to win it. That's a pretty powerful motivation. But everybody else. I feel else like I'm, I have a pattern going. I just like force you guys into decisions. Like, oh, no, Dave, you know. until you kill Strahd. That's oh, hey, the dragon crazy. army showed up. So good luck, right? I they're going to come and kill you and ruin I your think people. I found the sweet spot for adventurers. <laughs> but you don't have that if you uh, don't have things in place for that, then, okay, so you really can't, you know, further a lot of your goals with. You know, the actual treasure you have. And I think about this. I was jotting some notes down before we started. 
a normal air quotes normal people we would have won a venture and we had one good score we'd be done afterwards oh i retired dude i'd be yeah i'd be living what? it up in the caribbean every <laughs> I, I would summer in fucking vale or i don't whatever whatever right. rich people do right <laughs> yeah and that makes it very difficult then to you know maintain it because we're trying to keep these guys around for another you know 25 more episodes yeah i'd be buying hyperbaric chambers for no reason right <laughs> well no it's uh so back to you know depending on the system you're using right tony you were just saying like what is the point or like how like what's my investment here and that was what we ran into with the marvel games too which was why we started to tinker around with their karma system and the idea of any kind of leveling because like the new one that's coming out the 616 system uh, which we play tested a little bit of, uh, that had the leveling system, but the original Marvel didn't. And the the leveling, quote, leveling system in Karma yeah, was quote. so excruciatingly, <laughs> it, was, it was non-existent, right? And we all have talked about the the reason, we get it. The, the You know, Spider-Man didn't really change that much over, you know, 60 years. But yeah, if you don't have that reason, then what what do I keep going out there for? It's how you define low magic. So if you want to do something like Lord of the Rings, you say, okay, we're not going to have spellcasters for this campaign per se. But instead of that, I'm going to provide you with more magic items and other things that are similar to that. Like I'm going to fill in. So I'm going to try to balance the fun factor. And I'm, for a story reason, I'm going to leave wizards out of this, but I'm still going to leave magic in the world, right? Or, you know, you could go, you know, I could have less magic items, but I, you know, there's no barely any magic items in the world, but I still let them have spellcasters, right? Like, or something like that. But it's, you have to, there has to be something to turn point. Like you have, there has to be a reason why you want to play this character and keep going and want to advance him. Like he has to like, you know, and you have to give people that feeling of magic that they get from things. Like we kind of get numb to it with D&D, but you know, like a lot of the features are very magical in themselves. It's just... Oh, you want to have a bit of a reward system there for yeah. as you advance through. And magic is really a part of the world, right? It's what makes the game different than uh, our day-to-day life, right? It's like, you know, we want to run in a some magic world. It's just, you know, you want to balance it with fun. So you want to, you know, low magic is good because it creates tension, but you want it to still have the same amount of fun as a high magic campaign would have. I mean, like... A first level paladin in D and D, if they walked into a first level paladin, if they walked into Middle Earth, they would be as powerful as Elrond because they have lay on hands and divine sense. That's like world shaking power in the Lord of the Rings campaign. But Chris, the point I wanted to make uh, about what you were saying is this is exactly again something we talk about and a lot of people talk about, which is session zero kind of stuff. But even like before, like it's just. All your session prep and your campaign pitching is I'm super excited to play in Middle Earth and to play under these rules and understand, yeah, okay, no magic. So, okay, what does that look like? What do I want to play? What what are my archetypes that I want to look into and then go out in that world? But I already know that it's there, you know? So even if you're curtailing um, other campaign worlds that are within D&D – as long as you get everyone to buy in on it, you can do whatever you want, but you got to be very, very, very clear as to what that looks like. Yeah, then what do you do with the artificer? 
I mean, not obviously not going to make it to the Lord of the Rings game, but like anywhere else, it's really low magic because that that guy could just start shelling out stuff pretty quick. Yeah, it takes I mean, over the world, dude. Yeah, no, and I say like I think that's something, guys. Like I'm sort of getting through it here. Is the Lord of the Rings uh, stuff really does a good job? Is that they kind of give you that with crafts and stuff like that. It gives that bit of artificer. So it really leans on magic items. I can find magic items, right? And then I can also kind of create magic items. There's not spellcasters, and it, there's you know only certain people you have to learn the craft, and you know the magic items are the you know they're generally like named like they're in an index like there's only this many magic items in the world, but it's there's ways to fill it in, and it feels magical still. Like you can do magical things. You're just not a wizard, right? If you think of it that way, right? Like you can you know elves are still out there, and they have very magical ways, and you can you know it's the Lord of the Rings, the Middle Earth crazy you know awesome things happen so it's just not you know you're just not you know not a single, and yes, Sauron battling at, not uh, a single Earth. not a single member uh that went to the lonely mountain in the hobbit and not a single member of the fellowship had any kind of access to magic including the elf legolas was not a a magic user he was he had elven sight which wasn't even dark vision i don't think i think it was just like really clear vision like he had 2020 you know that one scene tell me what your elf eyes exactly (laughs) like he's not looking in the dark you know they still had torches in moria you know so like not a single one and those that was as high fantasy as you could possibly go i had to slow down and watch a couple of the scenes with legolas and it's easy with jumping around and i'm like as he's like breaking the laws of physics i'm like (laughs) what has he got a 28 dex Maybe it's twenty. Well, no, I mean Indiana Jones does the same. We've talked about that a little bit too, right? Some of his stuff is eat, the though. some of his, some of what that happens in the quote real world, right? With like Indy is literally you can watch it playing it out, and it's the DM just going like, "All right, give me a roll," and he rolls like a nat twenty plus like six, and you're like, "Well, yeah, that happens, dude." Because like, <laughs> rule of you do it. let it go. <laughs> yeah, you outran the uh, flood. Good job. Yeah, yeah, I ride a tank off the mountain in a, yeah, in a, yeah. uh, underground tunnel and then just step to the side as it roars out of the mountain. Yeah, dude, you just made your dex check. Killer, right? Like So that that's just... That's how we adjudicate. Yeah, that just looks like a D&D <laughs> session to anybody who's right. played, you know? The campaign for the players right there. That's what it, that's what it looks like. So in these little magic world, you know, this kind of environment, uh, is everything going to be named, even the plus one items? Yes and no is I think that one of the things they talk about is that they should have some level of weight. It's kind of like what we've been talking about a lot is that if I want to have a magic item in there, it shouldn't just be a plus one dagger. Maybe it's it is a plus one dagger at first. Right. But there's a history behind that dagger and there's a name for that dagger. You may not know it at first. Right. You may never find out what the name of that dagger is. You may call it sting instead and not know that it's actually oh. called something else on the thing, but it's that kind of idea where they had other ones when he found the glandering and stuff like that. He knew it once they read the things, uh, the Elvish script, what those ones were called. Yeah, but, oh, you know, yeah. Yeah, but they wouldn't have known it otherwise. That would have just been a plus one, you know, freaking great sword or whatever the hell it was. Chris, that is actually an excellent point because it's something that I've actually just, I, I went against my own... Um, I went against my own advice and our advice that we talk about on the show all the time. So that never you know, happens. Yeah. Audience <laughs> out there, you know, realize you're going to keep making the same types of mistakes. It happens. 
But um, when you guys were in the catacombs under uh, Castle Calaman, right, that whole session, and you guys found the – there were several magic items, and they were like a plus one ha- warhammer, a plus one long sword, you know. Cool, all right. We got some magic items. We got a shroud that does stuff. We got some mithril. But they weren't named, and I didn't name them. And I went, damn it. I Like, that's something that was so easy. I would have usually named it. But that's such an excellent point, Chris, that I didn't even think about that Tolkien had already figured out was that it wasn't named. Glamdring was only Glamdring after Elrond read the Elvish script. Even Gandalf didn't know. Well, or at least he didn't say. So that's an excellent point is that even if you can always retcon stuff, if you have that and you go, oh, man, I have a great name for that sword or that dagger or that shield cool then put it in your secrets and clues five sessions later and when they come upon somebody they can go oh my god you wield blah 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 that is that is excellent yeah I'm saying, and unless you're grabbing it from Strahd, and you're like, okay, this is Strahd's sword, but if you're otherwise you're grabbing it from a a bugbear's treasure pile right there was some adventurer who came in there, some Sir Knight, right, who came in there with a freaking awesome magic weapon and died, and he took that and put it in his treasure stash there. Yeah. So, I mean, it has a history to it, right? Like, they don't just appear magically in the treasure like they have some life before. You don't want to fall too far down the hole with it. I mean, everything can have a name. So that's – I think they do the right idea with the Lord of the Rings where there's an index. It doesn't mean that the index has to be small, but there is – this is how many magic items in the yeah. are in the world there. And that way it keeps a very easy way to understand the curve that you want to get at, right? Like you can see things much clearer than if you're just happening into rooms and you're like, oh, you found a plus one dagger. Oh, you found a plus one quarter staff and all these other things, you know. No, I, I like uh, – I, I know you've talked about that treasure index before, um, and I really like that idea. There's, there's something about that that makes me go – that's that's quality prep, Tony. You and I talk a lot about how what's good prep, right? Because we're both big preppers. That's a good one. Is that's quality prep to create a list of stuff like that you have, and that's in the world. That's something that's that's going to be useful all the time. It's almost like a, a a name. You know, your random names have a list of random names. Have a list of names of weapons and histories and stuff like that. that's a yeah something about that I really like. To be fair, just about all of the licensed product that I've looked at, you know, they've got that all, you know, bunched together. So you can go look at that. So you have an idea where all the important items, of course, going to be like, well, you know, there is an uncommon item over here and I'll leave that to your devices. But when we're talking low and be a higher magical world, a good example of a high magical world, well, would be Diablo, where you kill something or a boss, and it just like explodes like a magical pinata, and treasures everywhere. And there's four items, and you assume that three of them suck, but one of them's probably like it's glowing. You're like maybe, maybe this is the thing I'm looking for. And you go to a store, and you sell it. You're just like, okay, just uh, I got three magic items. And he's like, uh, here's your gold. And you're like, great. It's like you just went to you know Home Depot. Mid in exchange. Well, I, I think ability-wise, too, eh, that it's a very high magic. Is that like I'm, a, I'm playing a necromancer, and I have an army of like seven skeleton warriors like with me. I have a golem with me. I have all these dudes with me. I have these powers. We're just blowing through all kinds of goblins and demons and everything like that. And it's just like you just blah, 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 blah. it's like these rapid fire powers. It's that idea. I think it's the 
that one is you're leaning heavy on the power curve and you're just throwing everything at it. If that's the kind of campaign you run, like I've this often thought that would be kind of fun. You just so, basically open up Monster Manual and you just throw whatever at them. But every every monster is dropping something, right? Like it's this just is a, this yeah. sounds like my ultimate nightmare as a DM. Like oh my god, I just turn into a CPU where I just have to like it's just constant aboleths and terras and shit. Yeah, you just roll, roll, roll. Oh my god. So how much money do you have right now in your Diablo game? Oh god, I think I have something like four hundred thousand gold or five hundred thousand. Like I, I collect every bit oh, of gold, like old and print. I don't have a whole lot to spend it on. Like I can only spend it enough. And a lot of the magic items that go into the shops aren't as good as the stuff you find in the world. So you go out and you find it out there, and the upgrades require different materials, so you don't always have all those. And so I just collect money, and it just becomes that. Um, I collect every bit of uh, treasure from the guys and stuff like that. I very often get stuck out in the desert and have to freaking flashback. And I think it's just that, you know, endorphin rush there where it's, you know, but I, I don't know if that works for D&D. I think it works for Diablo because it has that and you're by yourself, right? So yeah. it's just, you know, you can play it with friends and have other things, but a lot of times you're just out there by yourself killing things. But I don't know, as far as a campaign, it was a lot like we had with Facebook where, the cosmic level powers, you reach a point at which it doesn't, it's difficult to have it be fun. In many ways, low magic is kind of what makes it more fun, right? Right. It makes it more challenging in a way that's fun, right? Versus just being like, I'm mowing through everything. Like there's not a whole lot of fantasy to that. So one thing I'm thinking about with thinking about with that is something that we we've talked about before. And I know I I've seen, um, Professor Dungeon Master over on Dungeon Craft kind of talk about it with his system, and it harkens back to some stuff. But low magic or high magic thoughts on creating campaign worlds where, and again, this this starts to play. It sounds good until you start to realize that it kind of penalizes spellcasters. But if you're trying to create an idea of magic being something unwieldy, something primordial, something not meant to be controlled by mortal hands, right? Is how much does magic cost in the world? You know, like, and I don't mean gold. I mean, like, how well can you handle it? And can you always handle it? Like, if I want to cast Fireball, I just cast it. And as long as you make your deck save or you don't make your deck save, you take damage. But what happens if that goes awry? What happened? You ever notice like a lot of spells aside from like I'm literally targeting something and firing. I don't roll for anything. I roll for every hit I want to make as a fighter or a thief or a ranger. But for magic users, I just say I cast this and then you roll. But I don't have to roll. So I always cast it perfectly. And, you know, like PDM oftentimes talks about like, well, roll and don't roll a one, you know, so almost like a wild magic kind of feel. But making magic either cost something or have a danger to it. And that's maybe why it's not so readily available. Does that so make sense to you guys? It, it does. And I'm going to make a different call Cthulhu reference. Uh, in Ooh. the board game, you could pick up magic weapons or regular items. You could get like a revolver or even a magic sword, or you can learn a spell. And when you cast the spell, it drains your sanity and it could do something really cool. But 
you know, I've heard a lot of people like, uh, I'm not really a fan of martial characters. I'm like, well, you know what? As you're going through, you know, things as a spellcaster and you're calculating your opponent's resistances, uh, if you have spell components, uh, what spells you have available, what slots you have, I can just attack. I don't yeah. run out of attack. Yeah. As my paladin, I run out of like smite. That happens. I still got a big sword. And, you know, and I have a pretty good chance of hitting. So, you know, I still have that. Right. To your point, like I call it music, leveraging some of that Call of Cthulhu idea where magic is not um, something that just happens all the time. Magic isn't something easy. So like a fireball itself isn't, you know, maybe that a fireball isn't thing. I kind of like that Professor Dungeon Master thing, like that, that idea that there could be something at the same time. I don't know if that if like with low magic, does that start to compromise the fun? Like somebody rolls a one and you're like, all right, you cast fireball on yourself. And oh, I just incinerated the party. I love critical misses. They're the best. Yeah, Yeah, that's the thing, right? (laughs) Whoops. I missed that. But I will say, like, I'm going to go back to the Dragonlance thing, too. And I know you guys aren't like, you know, so you can uh, compartmentalize here as I tell it to the world. But so I curtailed some level of magic in the world, right? Like spellcasters can be spellcasters. But Chris, as I said, with the bard, I said, unless you were deciding to be, and I I threw out the idea to you. I said, did you want to be kind of like, I forget why I think it was like, like a good fellow or this other type of bard that we kind of found in some of the old Dragonlance materials from uh, third edition days, uh, some of the campaign sources. And you were like, no, I think I want to go this way with it. Um, as well as Razgrado is he was going heavy on the whip at first. So we kind of uh, we crafted out some of the whip stuff, which we'll probably put some articles and stuff together about uh, where we kind of fixed the whip a little bit, uh, created some new feats out of it. So I curtailed. So I said, OK, but as a bard, as this type of bard, you're open to any arcane stuff. You just don't have healing magic. You don't have divine magic in that way. And you went, okay, you know, and you played with it, you know, to much to your credit in the same way. So I had one person wanting to play a cleric, which was Scott's character, Eva. So I started, we started to go back and forth because Scott, uh, for anyone that doesn't know from, from listening to him, he's very into role-playing the character. He's an author and he wants to delve deep into that. He loves to play flaws. He loves to to leverage the weaknesses to find the strengths in the character. We started going back and forth about ideas of how does Eva receive magic from Mishakal, right? So we started to say, okay, well, you have your spell slots, but you don't have to prepare spells, but because you have all your spells available to you, except all of these on this list that go against Mishakal's uh, Mishakal's message, Mishakal's right, like like the the tenets of her faith, in essence, right. So he doesn't have access to certain cleric spells, just no access whatsoever. Now he doesn't have to prepare other ones, but then you can't some cast of finger them, of death, no, they inflict wounds. I love right. that one. That's things like that, one. right? Things that are kind of like not, you know, raise the dead stuff like that, right? But doesn't so I said okay so he kind of, and we went back and forth and we're starting to craft this this new version of a cleric that's very much in the world but again that's something that it was already written into the character you know um, and then we started to play into things about what magic might cost to do certain things which you guys have undoubtedly picked up on certain certain things or 
you know, maybe the goddess won't allow you to cast this type of spell against this type of enemy, um, which was something I, the player and I were talking about, but heavily curtailed uh, cleric abilities while also giving boons that other clerics, no matter what game you're playing, are never going to have, you know, so so there is some some level of that, too. You are a generous man, Dave. Well, uh, I, I won't go that far. I won't go. I mean, you guys have, I think, about four magic items in the entire party right now. Maybe a, I mean, it's a, it's once again, it feels like a very low magic campaign in the way that we would traditionally define it there. But I think it's the balance, right? I think it's finding the balance. It's like it's finding a good reason for your world. If your world is a high fantasy world and high magic, then lean into it. But if you want to do something low magic or gray, find a way to balance it, make it fun. Cthulhu at a point became very grinding right like yeah casting a spell was not necessarily a fun thing when we finally got to the end of casting the spell it was kind of fun but it was a you know it wasn't the same as a D and D experience when they got you know you're casting fire bolts and doing all kinds of things yeah. there so it's uh, totally yeah you have to find a balance where you have to introduce other things that you can do whether it's additional abilities for people like that additional features stuff like that magic items here or there you know all right, so it's about that time now uh, for some final thoughts. So how low can you go with magic in your campaign worlds, and what should you be looking for? I think you should be looking for, like, that level of flavor that everyone, uh, you know, they could work with, but it's true to your setting as well. It has to make sense with that, like what Dave's doing where magic's coming back into the world or perhaps what Chris is doing where magic really exists but not in the traditional D&D sense. I would try to f- strike that balance somewhere between where magic is available if you're going to right in the middle. Um, maybe not every town has a magic item shop, but at every boss drops six items either. Keep balance. I think there's a, an element of low. Don't make magic special, like, uh, to some degree. Like, I think if you're going to run a campaign, there should be an element of some specialness around magic items and other things like that an element of low magic that you can bring to it but it still has to be fun so still make sure that there's opportunities there and things that they can do that are magical but so but you can still bring in your story reason why this particular thing is in here we don't have healing magic or we don't have spell casters per se but there's other things that you can do to fill in that void and still have the same fun experience yeah absolutely and two mass murders later, <laughs> dot, dot. Um, that's legendary items. That's and a necromatic murder hobo. <laughs> so first off, I think, like I said in the beginning, I think you need to define what you're talking about when you when you mean low magic, if that's what you're hoping to do in your in your campaign world or your or your DM somewhere else is is wanting to talk about it is one realize that you have high fantasy doesn't immediately mean super available magic high fantasy just means it's a different world than earth and magic exists in some fashion which is middle earth that is exactly what it is that that is a magical world but not everybody can just like go grab a a good luck stone or anything like that right but then also figure out are you meaning low magic in terms of the availability of magical items like we talked about or the curtailing of spellcasters and the abilities that people have in whatever system you're playing that they should have access to. If you are going to say, no, you don't, 
you need to get that up front. You need to do, uh, you know, session zero or session, uh, you know, before the Big Bang, you know, even before session zero. Like pitch your campaign saying, I want to play in Crin. This is what's happening in Crin. I want to play in Middle Earth. This is how the world is set. I want to play in Westeros. How about that? You want to do a Game of Thrones campaign? Magic is out there, right? He had a flaming sword. Melisandre had all kinds of magic. There was magic flying around, but uh, most of the people didn't have any access to it, right? So the other two things, the, the, the last thing I would say is, as always, Think about what system you're playing, because that changes what those definitions and how much you can curtail very much. Whether it's, let's say, Call of Cthulhu, it's Marvel superheroes, it's D&D, it's uh, whatever else, uh, you know, top secret, right? Let's go way back, right? The James Bond. Talk about magic in, in top secret. My God, it would be world ending. Anyway, I, so. I still have the box somewhere, somewhere in one of my closets. Yeah, but... I mean, there's nothing so magical, though, as new dice. And that's why if you go, this is great. Every week I'm going to figure out some way to do it. But go over to fanrolldice.com slash ref slash 2871. That's our affiliate link uh, with Fanroll Dice. Uh, great company. And you get 10% off your order. Uh, no strings attached. And as always, we this is our question that we came up with. But we are always accepting questions. Uh, send them into our website, uh, threewisedms.com. Uh, send them into our Gmail, uh, threewisedms at gmail.com. Uh, you can also hit us up Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. We're active on all those sites. And um, guys, thank you very much. This was great. I think we actually got to some actual point here, which is so rare. Uh, but anyway. Um, <laughs> As we do each week, though, we are going to let our dear old erstwhile leader take us out. And thank you all for sticking with us at home. We appreciate it. You know, this is a, a question we were dealing with on our end that we thought maybe you'd be dealing with. We want to talk about it. However, we'd love to hear about the problems you have in your own game and talk about them. That's awful what we do for an episode. So if you have a question you'd like to hear us ask, please send it into threewisedms at gmail.com or go to our website, threewisedms.com, put it in the what's your problem field or talk to us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. We're active on all those places and we're always looking for, yeah, looking for questions we can answer and things we can help other DMs out with. If you like what you're hearing, please give us a five-star rating in your podcast platform of choice. Tell your friends, share it. All that stuff helps us grow. We really appreciate it. And we'll catch you next week on the next episode of Three Wise DMs. Thank you.